Yo, that was amazing. Um, ah, let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for this evening. I want to thank you for each person sitting in this church. Lord, if we can just realize how precious, how special each soul is to you, I pray that it would overwhelm every one of us, the value that you place on the person sitting next to us and the value that you place on our lives. God, I pray that that would consume us, your love for us. Oh, Lord, you are a God of the details. You are so involved in every little step we take, Father. Before we think something, you know what we're going to think. Before we ask something, you know what we're going to ask. You embrace and you surround us. Yes, God, for your love. Your love is so amazing, so beautiful. This is such a beautiful, holy moment in this church, God. Your presence is thick in the air. We thank you for your presence. Just would you intensify it even, God. We worship you. We give you this message, God. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. It's not about me. It's about you and your kingdom established in every heart, including mine, in this church. Your ways, your will, your control, your leadership, your kingship, your saviorness, your lovingness, your fatherhood, your older brotherhood. Lord, you are so many things to us. Pray the reality of who you are would consume those of us that do not taste it yet. Pray that we would dip in and taste, not only taste, but that we would be overwhelmed with your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the title of the message is called, Why Our Faith Fails. So, the reason why um, I felt to, to uh, preach on this is because I've noticed my own faith weakening, and I've noticed faith around me weakening. Um, I've seen stubborn faith kind of dissipate and, and kind of weaken in the body of Christ, and you might be the exception to that, and then great, but uh, my experience has been people around me just accept a bad situation, submit to it, and try to carry on without that changing at all and not saying, but I'm going to trust God. I'm, going to let, I'm not going to let this thing overwhelm me. I'm going to believe for the impossible. And, uh, and so this is, and I thought, but yeah, but it doesn't help. I, I challenge you and I encourage you to have this faith. And I tell you, which is fantastic, tell you amazing stories of people that I know what happened in their lives, in my life, to, to build up my own faith and build up your own faith. Unless we go, look, but what robs us of faith? What, what hinders God from acting on our faith and responding to what we believe Him for? So this is why we've titled the message, Why Our Faith Fails. So a friend of mine was part of a church group, quite far, a, rather, a, a rather large church group, and he discovered things of the leadership of this church group that really disappointed him, and he felt... I cannot follow this leadership anymore because they, they are not who they say they are. They're actually false. They, in many ways, they, they are not representing God and they're not following God. So I can no longer follow them. And he was a few years one of the leaders of this church group. And so at one stage, he clearly heard the Lord say, you need to move out. 
but not now. Wait, wait. He got scripture that said, wait, wait. But he had nowhere else to go. He had no other ministry calling. He had no job to provide for his family. He had nothing. And, uh, and he just held on to God, and he carried on as a leader in this church by a lack of a word, like a mechanical robot, just stepping ahead, seeing people, ministering, but he'd lost trust and, 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 and he'd lost passion, but he was just walking forward automatically like a robot. And, um, but he, he didn't know where he was going to go to, and he just trusted God. But he failed in his trust. And in one instance, he shared with me, his daughter came into his room one morning, and she said to him, and she was then, I think, 14, 15, 16, and she said, Daddy, I had a dream about you. She said to her father, I had a dream about you. God says, why are you so fearful? Why aren't you trusting me? And this father was totally shocked back, and he said, oh, my goodness. And he said, no, 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 and he started to cover up. <laughs> and he was saying, no, no, I'm not worried, my child. I'm trusting God. But he was actually lying because he wasn't trusting God. He was doubting God big time. He'd lost trust in the God of the impossible. And, uh, and then two nights later, she came, two mornings later, she came back to his room and she said, Dad, God says you were lying the other day. <laughs> and she said to her father, you were lying. And uh, God says, you're not trusting him. And it ended up that uh, another ministry opportunity came his way. And somebody phoned him out of the blue, phoned their family out of the blue, and said, can we meet with you? And then at the, after, that, after that meeting, they said, we'd love to have you join us. But this gentleman really struggled with his faith because he was going through a very trying and a very testing situation. Who of you have gone through situations like that? Who are you? Thank you. Right, put out your hands. Who are you going presently are going through a situation like that? Oh, Les. Well, that's good to hear. Good to see. All right. Let's kick off with this, this scripture. Luke 18, 1 to 8. One day, Jesus, it's the New Living Translation. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and read that with me, never give up. Let's say that one more time. Pray and? You're not saying it with conviction. Pray and? Pray and? Pray and? Are you hearing what you're saying? Hello? Never means, or sometimes, talk to me. Never means never. Imagine Noah building a boat. It had never rained until then. Everybody's laughing at him. How many years did he build it? hundred years? Building this massive structure. Didn't know what's going to happen. What? And he just never gave up. And we can have so many stories in the Bible of men and women never giving up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. 
Then the Lord said, learn. So God wants you to what with him? God wants you to do what with him with your constant requests? Nah, come on. God wants you to? No, not wear him. He wants you to wear him out, although he won't be worn out. But he's giving us a principle. He says, just carry on keeping on. Keep going on. Wear him out. He won't be worn out, but just think you are wearing him out. Just do not stop. So, he's driving, driving me, wearing me out with a constant request. God wants us to keep pressing in and pushing in. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely, God is not like the judge, much better, different to the judge, so don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So guys, Christianity is dead boring when we don't practice our faith. You're going nowhere fast. You won't survive as a Christian. The just shall live by faith. If you don't practice your faith on a daily basis, you won't have faith by the time you get to my age or even older. So practice, seek, and look for opportunities to put your faith out. To say, God, can I trust you for this? Can I ask you for this? And if you don't get an answer, ask and trust him nevertheless. Step out. So... Um, God wants us to push back at, at circumstances. God doesn't want us just to accept bad circumstances, bad situations. He doesn't want us just to, to sit in defeat. He wants us to push back, to say, I will not let this destroy me. I will not let this flatten me or flatten my tire or weaken my battery. He wants what kind of faith? Have you heard the word stubborn? Who's been told by your sibling, father or mother, that you are stubborn? Be honest and raise your hand. Yeah. He wants, now use your stubbornness. Peter, <laughs> Bernard, use your stubbornness for faith. I used to call him Peter. I never knew his name three years ago. And I called him Peter, and everybody called him Peter, and then they said, oh, he's Bernard. Okay, now he's really Bernard. Yeah. God wants us to have stubborn, hardnekkige geloof. Who of you are, are more Afrikaans than English? You understand? Hardnekkig. Klip harde kop geloof. Have stubborn faith. Bearing in mind that our faith does not contradict the word of God. Doesn't help you trust for something and it's leinrecht, dead against the word of God. And bear in mind that it doesn't cater to my, what ambition? Selfish ambition. Let's go look at that. James 4, verses 3, Amplified. So I want to give it some lacquer meat. Let's look at the Amplified version. Did you find the, all the versions? You did, eh? Thanks. You ask God for something and do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda, so that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your own desires. Look at that horrid big word. Hedonistic. That just is a bigger word for being selfish and self-centered. On your own hedon 
opportunistic desires. So now to balance the selfishness, not being a motive to have faith in God, so I'm trusting Him for something, but not for my own self-ambition. It's not contradicting the Word. To balance this out, you know that God wants to spoil you. Who thinks God just wants to give you enough? Do you believe that God only wants to give you just enough? Or does He want to give you too much? Oh, is He teaching prosperity? <laughs> no, I'm not. It's biblical. I'll show you. Do you believe that God wants to give you more than enough if it meets His conditions? What's he, Ulrich? Yes. He's a God of spoiling. As long as we do it His way, not our way. All right, so... God wants to spoil us. He's our Father. If you think of the wedding feast and the wine that God made, He made a much better wine than was originally given to the people. Do you think that was a spoil? He could have just made normal wine. But He made, he made too much more. There was ample wine. He filled up all the vats. He didn't fill them halfway. He quadrupled the amount of wine, and he made it the best one they've ever had in their lives. So he spoiled them. He didn't just say, oh, no, I'm not going to spoil you. But let's go look at the reason why he spoiled them, because there's always a reason. Yes, you, are the, you get the fringe benefit of the spoil, but you are not the main reason for the spoil. Let's go look. John 2 verses 11 this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed His glory. And His disciples believed in Him. So do you think God wants to spoil you just so that you can be spoiled? He's spoiling you so that others can see you are being spoiled. They get jealous and be drawn not to you because you can't save them. But they get drawn to who through you? Jesus, the Savior, the Healer, the Redeemer. And His disciples believed Him. First time Jesus revealed His glory. God wants to use us to reveal His? Oh, near. What's going on? Is it the heat? It must be the heat. As we give out yeah. I'll excuse you. Let's do it one more time. God wants to reveal what through you? Hey, that's it. Lacquer. All right. Let's go look at Psalm 67, which further pushes this principle. May God be merciful and bless us. May his face shine with favor on us. So David's praying here. May your mercy, may you be merciful and bless us. What kind of blessing? In every way. They, they really wanted wealth, these guys, and they wanted property, and they wanted wives, and they wanted cows and cattle. Okay, we are in a new covenant, I know that, but still God made lots of wine. He wants to spoil us. May God be merciful and bless us. May His face smile with favor on us. It says, may your ways be known. Other translations say, so that your ways may be known throughout the earth. God wants to bless us, wants to use us, wants to supply us so that we might be a draw card for the world to meet Jesus. So that your ways may be known throughout the earth, your saving power. God wants to save only us in this church, eh? God's will, the will of God is to, that all men might be saved. 
And we are instruments in His hands, ambassadors. We are to be used by God so that the whole world might see your saving power. May the nations praise you. So the psalmist, I think it's David, is he talking about, is, is he focusing on the blessing of God upon me? What's his focus? Come on. So the world can come to Christ. Healings, miracles, signs and wonders, financial breakthroughs is to bring people to him. He will bless you so that he can use you. May the nations praise you, O God. So the focus of this psalm is not, oh, bless me. I want to be this prosperity. No, no, no. It's prosper me so that others. But I must have the right heart's attitude with regards to that prosperity. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy. It goes from praise to joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest. The earth will even bear more fruit. There will be more blessings as people worship God, submit to Him, serve Him. There will be even more provision, more blessing. Yes, God will bless us and people. So is it about us only or us primarily? No. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him. It's about spreading the gospel. Psalm 81. Here's another condition to God answering our prayers. Another reason why possibly our faith fails. Another reason. Or whether it's going to succeed. Psalm 81, verses 13. Oh, that my people would... Ha. How many of you have been accused? I know it's unjust and it's these parents of ours. I'm 54. I am a parent. How many of you have been accused by your parents? You don't listen. You all must raise your hands. Now, even the older guys. No, no, no. Come on. Be honest. How many of you have been told you don't listen? Including myself. Not all the hands are raised. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would? Another condition. Follow me. Walking in my? Paths. What would happen if we do that? Verse 16. Oh, lucky. But I would feed you. Who wants to be fed by God? Your creator. You are being fed, by the way, by him. Who provides for your parents? Who gives you money, food? You are being fed by him. But, I mean, imagine having God stand up, stand right here and giving me something to eat. He does it indirectly, but he does. But I would feed you with the finest wheat. I would satisfy you with wild honey from the rock. Now, I know in our concept, wild honey from the rock, is that now so great? And wheat, we are so spoiled with, I mean, in this day, in this context, that was the biggest spoil. Think of your most favorite chocolate. What's your most favorite chocolate, Kyle? He doesn't know. <laughs> we love you. We love you. What's your favorite chocolate? Chocolate Oreo combined. Ladies, I know you have the answer instantly. What's your favorite chocolate, Zia? That somebody helped you. <laughs> All right. I would satisfy. So it's in, the, in, in our term, 
I would feed you with the finest freshly baked bread with butter and uh, cheese and whatever you like on bread. And I would satisfy you with the best Lynn chocolate in our terms. Do you know that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow? So what he's told the Jews here is, how, are you not, if you're his child, you're part of this blessing. We grafted into the, the stump of Israel, Romans 9 and 11. We grafted in. We are children of God. So God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow. Hebrews 13 verse 8. Have you got that? Yeah. You can go look it up there. We are as much his children through Jesus Christ today as they were in the Old Testament. The only way to God today is through who? He's the way and the life. There's no other way. A lot of other ways, but this. He says, no man comes to the Father but by me. Because no one has gotten the punishment you and I deserve for our sins on our behalf except Jesus. And he was holy enough to get that punishment. He was, he's, his sacrifice was good enough. I could die for Henry, but I would never save him from his sin because I'm sinful myself. And every other human being, every so-called prophet, and every so-called way to God, nobody there is holy enough for God to accept their sacrifice. It had to be Jesus himself that had no sin, that was poor enough to pay for our sins, to get our punishment that we deserve. He wants to give us and bless us and answer our prayers. Give us an abundance, but there are conditions. Okay, let's mention these four conditions that we've just looked at the scriptures for. First condition, it can't be for selfish reasons. If you remember that statement, just think of selfishness. When you pray a prayer of faith, you need to say, Lord, show me my intentions and my motives. Have you prayed that? When you pray for something, when you trust in God, say, Lord, show me my heart's intentions. Show me my motives. Is this so that, do I want to say to this girl, her name is Sumari, I'll, I'll pay for your burger just to bless you. Is that really why I want to buy the burger? Or I actually want to catch your attention and get it to like me. So I'm saying, God, please, please, would you open up Sumeri's heart for me? And could we go out? And oh, I'm falling. She's my wife. I know you. Da, 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 da. Have, I, have I hit somebody on the head here or something? What's his motive? Is it pure? No, it's for himself. Help us to see our deepest hearts, intentions, and motives. I've realized about myself, and I don't think I'm the only guilty one here. I realize it more and more. How deeply ingrained, that means deeply rooted, my self-preservation, self-comfort, and self-preference is. Verstaan jylle allai groot woorde? Self-behoud. My gemak. In my eie voorkeere. Is that also? Is that understandable enough, you know? My self-preservation. My preference. And... The less you've had to sacrifice, the more consumed we are with ourselves. The more we want to preserve us and our comfort and our preference. When you get a wife and you get kids and you're responsible for other people's souls, then suddenly self starts dying quickly. How many of you here are married already? How many of you have got kids? It's about four of us. 
So would you like to guesstimate how much your self-preservation exists in your life? If you're not married, you don't have kids, you don't have massive spiritual responsibility, how high would that barometer be in self-preservation, self-comfort, and self-preference? How high would you honestly tell me now? Raise your hand if you think it's high. Way too high. Like a skulk villain, he's being honest. God, show me my selfish ambition. You know, often I spite myself. If I don't want to do something and I know it's because it's uncomfortable and it's going to cost me something and it's my preference, you know what? I go against my flesh. I spite myself and I go and do it. For example, someone that is usually very demanding and very tiring asks me for help. And I'd like to say no because actually I want my comfort up. I've got something else to do. Kyle, you, 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 you don't do that, eh? He does. <laughs> Especially, I won't, let me, oh, zip it. Sorry, Kyle, I don't want to expose you, okay. Somebody's demanding something from me. I go against my flesh and I say, I will do it. I will spite you, Mac. Who of you going to join me in that journey this year? You want your faith to be answered? Kill your selfish ambition. If you want your prayers to be answered, despite your flesh. So now, would you all together, those of you that want to, say, I will spite and talk to yourself. So you, Ulrich, you'll say, Ulrich, I'm going to spite. Ulrich, I'm going to spite you. One, two, three, go for it. Another example is helping someone that usually just uses me. And I know he's using me or she's using me. And they're asking me once again to help them. And I say, okay, I don't mind you using me. You can use me again. Ouch, is this, is this not nice to hear? Not, it's hard, but it's good. Do you realize it's good? We need it. Okay. And then I've planned a fun activity. And somebody asked me for help. Well, I should do something. And I really want to do this fun activity. You know, I, my parents have invited me to go to a, a skiing trip to the Alps. And my best friend says, please, will you come with me home? I can't face my mother and father alone. They are unsaved, and they shout and scream the whole holiday. I need some support. Can you come with me? Ouch. Skiing trips, Switzerland, a home with brokenness. Now it's getting tough. Now you say, God, you first, me second. We are in the age of advertisements. Every product underneath the sun is being thrown at us. I got a call this morning, half past seven, from some other company trying to flog something. I was so upset, Sunday morning, half past seven. Just put it off. <laughs> so we, yeah. <laughs> An age of advertisements. So everything thrown at us, what does it feed in us? What does it gratify what does it grow in us? Self-gratification. Self-actualization. What's self-gratification? It's from yourself to free yourself. Every advert is about who getting better or promoted or healthier or be more beautiful. or it's, gonna, it's all about enriching who? Improving who? So the focus is on who? 
is that healthy? When I grew up, we hardly had adverts on anything. Your age, we had no adverts. It's all about flooding our hearts, flooding our minds to be consumed with, take your finger, point, to be consumed with me. Adverts upon adverts to, so that I can be slender, so that I can have more white teeth, so that I can play with a nice gizmo, you know, whatever the case might be, or so that I can play a TV game, a video game, to pleasure who? And that goes right against what kingdom? That goes right against our faith and our prayers being answered because it's about selfish ambition, self-gratification. Does it make sense? So we have to not only fight our own selfishness, we have to fight the tidal wave that's hitting us from outside all the time. Are you awake to the war that you're in? Slap yourself. Come on. Who's brave? Slap yourself. And say, wake up. You're in a war. Satan wants to rob your heart from the heart of God. He's focusing everything. He's thrown at us to focus on us. Not preferring others, but preferring myself. God says, now start preferring others. Start preferring me above your, your own needs. Another thing, what is being thrown at us? Sex before marriage, go for it. Fornication, go for it. We wander, we ponder, and then we step in. And it's hurt upon hurt, disappointment upon disappointment. I can't go into the ramifications of not doing sex within a marriage and the health and the beauty of that compared to sex out of marriage and pornography, all of that's included in that. Not considering the destruction. Second point. So the first point is selfish ambition will hinder our faith from being answered, our prayers from being answered. What weakens faith? Next one is, this is quite a, uh, I'm going to summarize it. It's, it's, I should have put this in another way, but let me read it. We ask without having glory and wanting others to believe in him as our goal. So we ask without wanting to glorify him. We ask without pursuing in our mind, Lord, help us in this area so that so-and-so, even see the people, would believe in you and you would get the glory. Just the summary is his glory. First one is selfish ambition. This one is we ask with having, without having his glory in our hearts and our minds. Whenever we ask, Lord, how would this impact others to give Jesus as Savior in that person's heart a serious thought? How would, I, would, would they give you a serious thought? Would they consider you as a totally pagan or an atheist? Would they consider loving and serving you if you answer this prayer in my life? Have you thought of that? That's how you must start changing your minds. Lord, if you answer this prayer, if you help in this area, would uncle so-and-so that's a pagan or an atheist, would he see it and notice you and run to you? So, how would you get glory, God, through this? How would we draw not only unbelievers, but draw believers to get even more instilled and entrenched in faith in you? Would it build others' faith up? When somebody comes and gives me a brand new car, or am I going to use it to brag? Or think I'm better than someone else? And think I'm more special than someone else? 
Well, can I just say, God, I can take so-and-so and give so-and-so a lift. And Lord, that uncle that doesn't believe in you, when he hears somebody out of the blue, just gave me a car. He's going to give you a second thought. He's going to come to you. Make Jesus alluring by wanting to give him glory through whatever you're trusting him for. Make Jesus attractive by wanting to give him glory by whatever you're trusting him for. You following this? All right. Next one. We ask, but we don't follow his ways. Don't listen to him. As Psalm 81 says, if you would only listen to me, we looked at it just previously, then I would give you wild honey. I would give you the finest wheat. I would bless you, but only if you would listen and follow me. So what are some of the ways God asks us to follow him? Do we pursue? This is one of the ways. So that our faith doesn't weaken. If we follow him, our faith will stand strong and he'll answer our prayers. For example, do we pursue him with all our hearts, relying on the Holy Spirit to give, Spirit to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control towards others? Am I running after that to have the fruit of the Spirit like that in my life? Is that my one main goal in this life? Or is my one main goal to get a wife or catch a nice pretty girl? Is my one main goal to get my degree? Is my one main goal to please my father and mother? That should be a goal, but can't be the main goal. Is my main pursuit, his ways are to have love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control towards others. That is doing what he wants us to do. Relying on the Spirit so that we can have the fruit of the Spirit. Another one is, if we listen to him, then we start loving the Lord with all our hearts, minds, and strength. Asking him to show us his love and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. That's listening to him. Not knowing it. And say, okay, God, I'll never reach it, so I'm not going to bother with it. No. God, if you help me, I can love you with all my heart. I want to pursue it my whole mind. He doesn't ask us to achieve it. He just says, start running in that direction. He knows we're imperfect. He knows we'll struggle. He knows we stand and fall. As long as we don't give up pursuing to love him as he wants us to love him. But we cannot love him unless we know how much he loves us. So you need to pursue to find out how much he loves you too. It's much easier to love someone when you know they love you, especially when you can't see them. You just know they're there. You feel their presence in your heart. You can't touch them, but pursue to find out how much he loves you so that you can love him with all your heart. That, so these verses are Galatians 5, 22, 23. And the other one, the one I've just spoken of is Mark 12, 30 to 31. Then the next thing that he wants us to do, his ways so that our prayers can be answered and our faith can grow, so our faith does not weaken, doesn't get, get hindered, is to, to have a love that is patient, to have a love that is kind, to have a love that is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, to have a love that does not demand its way, a love that's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged, does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. A love that never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Now, would you agree with me? Humanly, that is impossible. 
But should we give up pursuing that? We want to follow His ways. We want to listen to Him. He's telling us, if you want to listen to me, you must run after having this kind of love. And the more you have Him in your life, the more you get close to Christ, the more He rubs off. And the more He rubs off, the more His smell becomes your smell. The only way to do this is to really sit at the feet of Christ on a daily basis and say, God, I want to follow your ways. I want to be like you. I want to be holy like you. Matthew 6, verses 33. I'm not going to read the whole one. I think you have typed it all out. Hey? Can you go to just to verse 33? It's about God feeding the birds, and he'll look after us, and he looks after the lilies in the field. But I just want to hit on verse 33. But seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God's saying, my way is seek my kingdom, my ways. Seek to love the way I love. Seek to have the fruit of the Spirit the way I can give you the fruit of the Spirit. Seek to, to, to love me the way I want you to love me. That's my kingdom. That's my way. That's my rulership in your life. Running after that. The last point. And it's probably the most important point, although the other three are very important. We can never give up trusting and asking God. Like that lady, the widow, she just never gave up. And God says, unless you never give up, <clears throat> you won't have faith when I return. You see that at the end of that scripture. Will I find faith when I return? If you connect it with what he was teaching, he was saying, if you never give up, you'll still have faith. If you want to have faith when you get to my age and to grandparents' age, you can decide now. As Churchill said to the English in the Second World War, never, never give up. Yeah. Never, never give up. One word for that is perseverance. Persevere. The widow did not give up. Never give up fighting, fighting against your selfishness. Never give up fighting against your selfish ambition. Never give up with your impatience. Who here struggles with impatience sometimes? Most of us. The fruit of the Spirit is patience. So never give up saying, God, I want so much of your Spirit that I change from impatience to patience. And you know how God helps us to become more patient? He sends us more situations that will challenge us to be impatient. Have you noticed that? You'll be irritated. The more you ask for something, the more God's going to challenge in that area so that you rely on Him in that situation. So you can run to Him in that situation. Don't give up on yourself. Never give up in, in winning your weaknesses. Yes, you will fall. God's not interested in the dirt on your trousers with your fall is interested in you standing up, brushing it off, repenting, and starting over again. You know how many times I ever had to start over in some sins in my life until I got victory? Uncountable. But I've got victory. I would not give up. Because if I give up, then I've lost faith in God. I've lost faith that God can change me. And He does. My children and my wife and could probably testify to that. I'm not there yet, but I have improved. 
They tell me that. Nah. Yes, they all do that. They don't, nobody does that. You can go look. All right. He wants us to grow from strength to strength. If sin, repent, stand up, carry on. Ask others to give you input. That helps you to get rid of some blind spots. Be open. Say, yes, I thank you. I never saw that, but I'm going to pray about it. And because I respect you, I know it's something I need to work on. I know I can be selfish in this area. I know I can be impatient in this area. Ask others to give you input. Show out your blind spots. We will keep failing, but failing cannot determine our future. Never giving up will determine our future. Perseverance determines our future. God is a God of the impossible, and He can forgive you many times. But don't repent so that you can think, oh, the next time I'm going to do it, I'm going to repent again. You follow that? Don't repent, oh, the next time I'm going to fall again, I'm going to repent. No. Repent and turn away and say, God, I'm not going to do this again. And if you fall again, there's grace again. Repeated grace. As long as you say, God, as far as I can with you and what I know about you, I'm going to not fall again. And then you press on. You turn away. But there's grace over and over if you do fall again. Your heart must be, I will overcome my selfishness. I will overcome whatever I'm struggling with. You can't do this without really knowing how much he loves you. God says, we love him because he loved us first. 1 John 4, 1 John 5. We love him because he loved us first. We want to obey him. We give up trusting because we don't realize how deep our selfishness lies and how terribly self-deceived we are, and that is why our prayers are not answered. We can't give up trusting, guys. If you give up trusting, then you say, selfishness is going to be me for the rest of my life. No, selfishness is not going to be you. God wants to use you. He wants you to overcome. I must overcome my selfishness, my self-deceit. I must overcome. I can't give up. God will change me because He is a God of signs and wonders, miracles. He's able to. We have to practice our faith. It's a muscle. If I don't practice my muscle every day, eventually I can't use it anymore. What's that movie? came out many years ago where these people left the earth as a cartoon story and they, they were so long circling the earth they lost their bones they couldn't walk anymore? What? Yes. You don't want to become like the people in Wally. They, did, they didn't walk, they didn't exercise, so they lost their bones, and I don't know, they were just like these oversized blobs, eh? We need to practice our faith. We need to put out our faith, trust God. Don't just accept defeat, don't just accept things are not going to say, God, I'm going to trust you. You're going to make a way. I can share many testimonies, and I'm sure many of you can share testimonies of what God has done. He's an amazing, amazing, miracle-working God. But he has got these prerequisites, which I've just mentioned. Don't accept the tough situation. Not flinching. So what were the points? Can any of you remember them? Who wrote them down? All right. Read them to us. We can't be selfish in our prayers. Um, secondly, we need to be God-centered to glorify Him in our prayers and not put ourselves in the middle. Uh, we need to follow His ways and not our ways. And then we need to be persistent like the woman.
Never, never give up. One final story, and then I'm finished. A friend of mine had a relative, a very close relative of his, that served the Lord but had wandered away from God for many years. And um, this friend really loved or loves this family member of his. And he prayed, prayed, and prayed, and prayed, and prayed. And the more he prayed, the more this family member wandered away from God, went into a lot of bad living. But this friend would not give up on God. And he shared with me that approximately two years, he had so much faith in God that God would come through. For two years, he'd say, God, thank you for that call I'm going to receive today of my family member that's come back to Christ. Every day, he really expected a phone call. And he said, thank you, God. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to get a call. It didn't happen for two years. Did he give up? He stopped expecting every day, but he said, in your day, God, it's going to happen. But I know that I know you're going to bring my family member back to you. And the Lord did. God wants to answer your prayers. Amen. Now, who of you, close your eyes, everyone, please. Who of you have never surrendered to this God, this Jesus, that answers prayers? It's amazing, life-changing God, takes away fear gives us peace. Who of you have never said, I give you all, Jesus. I believe that you took my punishment for my sin on the cross. You took, you took my hiding. And you say, today, I want to give you all, Jesus. Raise your hand right now. Nobody's looking. Yes, we see those hands. There's more? There's more here. Raise your hands higher, please. Nobody's looking. We need to see it. Um, Yes. I'd like the, the leaders just to look who these folks are. Just raise your hands again. We just want the leaders to come and pray with you. To pray with you. And I'd like you all to just go pray with that person. Not now. I just want you all to pray with me. Can we all just pray on these people's behalf? Pray with me. Especially these guys that want to give their life. Say, Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Let's help them in this prayer. I come to you tonight, and I need you. You so touched my heart. I want to give you all of my heart, all of my mind. I want to surrender. I am sorry that I've not come sooner. I'm sorry that I've kept you out. Please accept me as your child. I'm sorry for every sin that I've done. But the biggest sin is that I've pushed you out. Today I come to you and I say, take me as your child. Thank you. Receive me, Lord. Make me part of your family. I want to belong to you. I want to be your baby. Grow up in your family. My Jesus. And the second altar call is, who of you want to say, God, help me with my selfish ambition? Show it to me. Who of you want to say, God, 
I just want to be a person that never gives up. Who of you says that, God, I want to do it your way? I know for me it's impossible, but with your help, I can do it your way. I can listen. I want to be a listener, not a disobedient person. We say, God, I do not want to have weak faith. I want my prayers to be answered. Stand up. I'm going to ask Henry to lead us in a prayer. We say, God, here on out, I'm going to put my faith out. Here on out, I'm going to trust you for the impossible by doing it your way.